Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the clock. Good afternoon. At the tone, time will be Thank you very much. I, I know I. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, I know I, I, I know I know all about you. I know all about you people. I'm with the NSA. No, I know. I know you're excited because the important issue of our day, the most important issue, where people can pee, has come back into the fore. <laughs> President Obama has issued an order <laughs> that in all public high schools, they allow transgender students to go use the bathroom that matches their gender identity, not the dick they were born with, or whatever it is. <laughs> pee at last, pee at last. Thank God Almighty, we can pee at last. I mean, look. Most American kids aren't looking for a big civil rights stand when they go to the bathroom. They're, they're just looking for a quiet place to have sex with their teacher. <laughs> the conservatives, they're the ones who make this an issue. In North Carolina, I'm not kidding about this, they are issuing pepper spray to students in case you encounter a transgender student in the wrong bathroom. Six months ago, they never heard of transgender in North Carolina. <laughs> They're also, by the way, giving you a sword in case you encounter a dragon in the bathroom. <laughs> About as likely. Can we... <laughs> Can we please... Stop obsessing about this. Donald Trump pulled even with Hillary Clinton in the polls this week. The place I'm worried about pissing is in my pants. <laughs> now, that's true. In the Reuters poll, it is 41 to 40. <laughs> the, only thing I, the only thing I have to say about that is, Oh, Canada... <laughs> Lands. <laughs> oh, if you, if you think I'm getting, there is actually now a dating service called Maple Match to help Americans who will be fleeing to Canada <laughs> to, meet, to find a partner. Uh, I, I, I was looking on it the other day. I saw one that said, Hispanic man loves long walks on the beach, uh, preferably not at gunpoint in the direction of Mexico. I, that's an indication. But... But 
Trump is suddenly even? What, what happened to never Trump? <laughs> Republicans are all on board in less than a week. It's amazing. It was like, they're like a drunk girl at the bar. <laughs> you know, at first they're like, you're a repulsive pig. Two hours later, oh, you're not so bad. I guess, <laughs> I, guess I can go home with you. Yeah, I mean, it didn't take much. Uh, Donald Trump on Thursday had a big meeting with Paul Ryan in Washington. They discussed Republican principles. It was a short meeting. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they put out a statement. They said, we have a few differences, but we share principles. Okay, now we know. Bragging about your penis size is a difference. <laughs> Racism is a principle. Okay, I get it. Uh, and, no, they did. They, <laughs> they put out a joint statement that said they had a great conversation about our few differences, but it was a positive step toward reunification, and we are totally committed to working together to end America as we know it. That was the bad part. <laughs> principles. Like, Donald Trump even has any principles? Policy? What's policy? What's today? It's Friday. Oh, Abortion's cool again. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> he switches on everything. You know, his big thing that for six months everybody was on the right was crazy about it. A ban on Muslims. This week he said, just a suggestion. <laughs> just spitballing out. He said, yeah, I just says he does it till we find out what's going on. He said he might appoint his friend Rudy Giuliani to find out what's going on. Maybe, you know, maybe he should appoint his private investigators, uh, put them on it, the ones who went to Hawaii to track down Obama's birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, they, they put them on it. That, yeah. oh. <laughs> They'd uh, come back, give him a report. Uh, sir, we're finding amazing things about the Muslims. Apparently, they don't even celebrate Christmas. <laughs> I mean... Nothing about this guy is consistent, and it doesn't stick. I mean, he said for months he would release his tax returns. Yesterday he said, none of your business. Not gonna... Which is actually a good move for him, because they would probably reveal that he is actually an unemployed actor from Queens <laughs> who makes $14,000 a year. And... and <laughs> this is the, the coup de grace today. Washington Post re released tapes of Donald Trump in the early 90s where he is pretending to be his own press agent. Somebody named John Barron, who obviously is Trump, who talks to reporters about how great Trump is, how rich Trump is, how great he's doing with women. Sounds like Trump has his vice president. Uh, but, really, I mean... Think about that. The Republican Party has embraced a man, Donald Trump, had a made-up employee who sucked up to the boss who was him. <laughs> they got into a fight one day, and he said, I'm fired! <laughs> and... <laughs> this man is always topping himself. He has a, a... He had a butler for many, many years. Now he's the former butler. He is now the historian, like we need that, at Mar-a-Lago. He's been posting Facebook uh, comments about President Obama calling Obama... He called him a sleazy bastard, called him a prick, a Kenyan fraud, a ballless dickhead. 
He said he should be shot as an enemy agent for his first term. He also said Obama should be hung. And Obama shot back at this guy. He said, I am hung. It's your boss who has a small dick. All right, we got a great show. Kenny Kay, Bob Graham, and Jack Hunter are here. And a little later, I will be speaking with our good friend Jeremy Scahill. But first up, he is the Oscar-winning documentarian whose latest film, Where to Invade Next, is now on DVD, Blu-ray, digital, HD, and on demand. I've been always wanting to meet this man. Michael Moore is over here. Michael. What a great pleasure to make your acquaintance. <laughs> Very good to meet you. Michael Moore. Thank you. A standing ovation. <laughs> All right. Now, Michael, you were, so, you, were, you, were, you were supposed to be here in January. Yes. Right. So this is a makeup date. Yes. Thank this you for like, letting me back on. This is like we got rained out in April. We did. We and did. now we're playing a Twinite doubleheader in August. But I'm okay now. I'm okay. Uh, All right. I'm, I'm yes, because okay. you had a, a little health scare. Luckily, nothing too serious. But Michael, you have to take care of yourself. I agree. You, the people yes. depend on you. You are yes. the tribune of the people. <laughs> this is right. This is where I uh, I do 20 push-ups right now. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you you look you look pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, yes, I've dropped You're... a little weight, and uh, I am taking better care of myself. I go on walks every day. And, and the long hair, I like it. And, what's, uh, yeah, what's yeah. that all well, about? Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, player, player. I, just... player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I'm working with the ladies, the long hair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I t no, I, I, uh, I, I turned 62 last month, and I'm like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'm one of the few 62-year-olds who still has hair. Deal with it. <laughs> well, it's a body part that works, you know, so I'm, like, happy. <laughs> okay, so when you were going to be here, we were going to talk about your movie, which had just come out, but now it's on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and yeah. all that, so let's talk about it now. I saw it. It's amazing. It's, I think it's your best movie ever. Wow. Uh, it, oh, yeah, because you. I remember when you, when you called me... And you, you were so excited about this idea. Uh, and I can tell you were excited because you did it like that. I mean, you got the idea and you got your crew together. I mean, you were out doing it within yeah. a month. Yeah, within a month. It was amazing. And what it basically is, of course, is uh, it's called Where to Invade Next, but it's really What to Steal Next. You know, you go to all these countries that do things better than we do. In Italy, they give people paid vacations. In France, the school lunches are great. Uh, in the, Finland, is it, that the prisons, or Norway, the prisons Norway. are awesome, and they have a low recidivism rate. Right. Portugal, the drugs are legal. Iceland has a, a limit on the, I mean, a, a upper limit on the number of women, so it has to match the number of men in right. Parliament. 40% of the board of directors in an right. Icelandic corporation have to be women. And the punchline to the whole movie not to give it away, is that really these are all American ideas, aren't they? We, we really just need to steal from ourselves. Right. Every, every, every country we went to, they would tell us the progressive education, that was an American idea. Uh, May Day, that didn't start in Moscow, that started in Chicago when there were riots over the eight-hour day. Right. All these things that we started... And then we gave up on. We gave up on ourselves. We gave up on the country that a lot of people wanted it to be. And, and so the Europeans just went, well, if you don't want, you know, good health care for everyone <laughs> and uh, right. paid vacations and paid maternity leave and these things will do it. And so they've done it. And they do it. They do it in their prisons. Like you mentioned Norway and Germany and these other places where they have Norway has a 20 percent recidivism rate because they treat inmates as human beings. And their whole goal from day one there, the warden says to them on day one, 
you're going to be my neighbor someday because we don't have the death penalty and we don't have life imprisonment. So that means you're getting out of here and you could be living on my street. So I am committed to helping you do whatever to, so that you're going to be fine when you get out of prison. And, right. and so 80% recidivism rate in this country, 20% in Norway. And I, I think when people hear about all these great benefits that they have in other countries, they think, well, the taxes are higher. But you raise a great point, which is actually our taxes may be lower nominally, but not really because we have fees on so many things and well, we licenses, like tuition, co-op pays, and student loans, right? The nursing home for your parents. These things are free or nearly free in these other countries. So while they pay a little more in taxes, we don't call them taxes here. But if you add our taxes to the tuition, uh, to daycare fees, nursing home fees, all the co-pays, deductibles. We pay a lot more than the French and the Norwegians and all these countries. And, and, and get less. Been, and get less. Get far less. And, and this, I mean, and this is, I mean, we're talking in broad parameters, but this is basically what Bernie Sanders is selling. This is really why he has caught on. I keep right. saying, it's a, right. it's a, yeah, right. it's a new deal. You pay a little more in taxes, but you get so much more. And in the end, you, you are out of pocket less overall for right. everything because you don't have $100,000 of student loans to pay off. You, know, you don't have to pay for daycare when you have a job. You get, you know, like in Italy, there's six to eight weeks paid vacation that, that workers get. And, and these other, I think to be in the European Union, actually, you, your country has to have four weeks paid vacation as the law. And you have to have paid maternity leave, and you can't have a death penalty. If you have any of these things, you can't be in the European Union. And in Europe, do they poison their citizens with lead? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that Europe is perfect. Look, Europe economies... I would rather live here. Uh, but, right. but I went there to, to show people the good things that are happening, because sure. all we hear about are, oh, Italy is a mess, you know, forming a new government. It's 10 million lira to a dollar. They never show us the real life right. that they have and how happy they are and why they live four years longer than we do. Right. As far as the lead goes, you know, this... Well, that's this, your hometown. Well, this yeah. is... Flint, Michigan, back in the news. <sighs> and, I mean, you, you've been, of course, I mean, you've been amazing to your home state, your yes. hometown, Look, your whole I, life. I just want to say thank you for that. But I, this is not a lead issue. This is not even an infrastructure issue. This was a decision made by a Republican governor to give the rich in Michigan a billion-dollar tax break, and then when they had a billion less dollars in the budget, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? we got to cut back on services. Well, anybody got any ideas? Yeah, let's take Flint off the drinking water from the Great Lakes and make them drink from the Flint River so we can save money. Within a few months, they realized they were poisoning people, and the word came down, don't say anything, doctor the books, and they let people continue to drink this water and did nothing about it and I think that is a crime, and they did it. I know they did it because it's a black city, it's a poor city. They wouldn't do this to Bloomfield Hills or Ann Arbor or Gross Point. This was a hate crime. It was a hate crime based on this race hatred of this particular there party. There have been environmental disasters in white cities. The, the, Love Canal was not black. The, yeah, but that, but nobody, but who really, once they discover Love Canal, the one thing that they've got a problem, everybody starts to work on it to try and fix it. Not in Flint. They went another nine months trying, hoping nobody would pay any attention because, oh, these are just a bunch of black people, poor people. They have no, they have no lobbyists. They have no money in this. And so they and to, to this day... But you blame Democrats, too. I, I sure, mean, you're very well, hard very, on Obama. I'm very upset that President Obama went there and drank a glass of water and said, it's okay, everybody, to drink the water. It was just a stunning, sad thing to see happen. 
and and because he took the light off of it, you're saying you he, made people think completely. it's completely nobody's going to worry about it. Anymore. President Obama, but look at the picture on the front page of the Times. He's like, mm, don't make me feel good. <laughs> you know, he's like, so it's, it's no, I, right. it's really shameful that he did that. All right, so I have to ask you. I'm, I'm, I'm from now until the election. I'm yeah. just going to ask everybody on this show. I don't yeah. care if it gets boring. Yeah. How do we stop Donald Trump? Okay. We we because nobody right. seems to have a nobody seems. To have a strategy. I know you met him recently. You run a show with him. Everybody says the same thing. He's nice in person, but the, we don't have to worry about the guy in person. Yeah, you have no, to worry no, about no. the guy who first, might be president. First of all, I was on a show with him 15 years ago on, on a talk show, and the producer came over to me and said, um, "Mr. Trump's afraid to go on the show with you. You know that you're going to, you know, do something or say something." And I'm like, "What's he worried about me?" And I went over and I shook his hand. It was all wet and all, you know. <laughs> I, and tiny. And, and, tiny, and yes, I didn't notice tiny. the size at the time. But what I noticed was he was this what you said last week. He was he was a scared, whiny, whiny little, little bitch. He was just like he goes. So he a says to me, "Whiny little bitch." <laughs> That's right. Give it up for what you said last week. And so he goes to me, "Oh, you're not you're not gonna like." Uh, you know, say anything out there, are you about me? Or, or anything? And I said, I'm from Michigan, man. I hardly know who you are. You know, it's like, right. oh, okay, okay. And I'm like, and that, that image of him still sticks with me about, it's like why people have been afraid to really take him down. Bill, the, what, the question you ask, what are we going to do between now and November? You and I are going to take him down. Yeah. You and I. And I'm so, down, brother. No, seriously. This is the end of oh. Donald Trump. He is not going to the White House. That is that is not happening. Hillary can, you know, if she right. ends up being the candidate, she'll be, she can talk policy and all that. You and I will do the things that you tell me where to show up. I'll, I'll be I will tell you okay. and I will and I promise you that, all right. that we um uh, all right. we'll do something that we'll hope for a good prosecutor. I'm there, long haired hippie. <laughs> so you have to all right, brother. Thank you very Michael much. Michael Moore, everybody. All right, let's meet our panel. Bob, how you doing? Good to see you. Good. All right, let's meet our panel. He is the politics editor for Rare U.S. Jack Hunter. I almost said us. I'm sorry, Jack. Jack Hunter. Jack Hunter. She is the anchor for BBC World News America. Caddy K, back with us. Hey, Caddy. And he is a former U.S. senator from Florida and author of Intelligence Matters, the CIA, FBI, Saudi Arabia, and the Failure of America's War on Terror, Bob Graham. How are you, Senator? Thank you. Okay, remember to send us your questions for tonight's overtime so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. I would say if there is a little phrase for this week that sums it up for me, it would be, well, that was quick. <laughs> And I'm talking about the Republicans and Donald Trump suddenly being tied with Hillary Clinton. That was quick, because only last week we were talking about how is this unit, lunatic going to unite the party before November? He did it in, like, three days. I mean, listen to this. Trump gets 84% of Republicans in a matchup with Hillary. The month before... He announced May 2015, 58% of Republicans said they would not consider voting for Donald Trump under any circumstances. I guess except if he won. <laughs> what happened? Well, some of this is political expedience, right? You have some politicians... Some. Well, 
perhaps not an exercise in intellectual courage, but you've got some who are looking at their own futures and thinking we have to rally around Donald Trump and they're taking their supporters with them. Some who are thinking anything better than Hillary Clinton and if that's the alternative, we have to swallow it and go with Donald Trump. And some who are saying we have to have party unity. Uh, they're not all necessarily good reasons. And, and a lot of the people who have rallied around Donald Trump have severe differences with him. I mean, he's, he's basically I mean, a New York Democrat, right? When you, so you read these New quotes, I mean, running. I was reading one from Rand Paul in January. He said, Donald Trump is a delusional narcissist <laughs> and an orange-faced windbag. <laughs> a speck of dirt is way more qualified to be president. He's on board. Uh, Rick Perry, I mentioned this last week, said he's a cancer. I'm with cancer. Cancer and dirt, uh, and then th that one excuse that, the, but better than Hillary is it really. And Marco, is that, does that stand up to scrutiny? Better than is Hillary really worse than well, cancer and dirt? Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. Look, Marco Rubio said he was terrible and disgusting. Now he's saying he's going to support yes. him. I think what's just as interesting, Bill, you're talking about the base, you look at the polls, just overnight it seems like they went that way. Look at the people who are still never Trump. If you look at Mitt Romney, he's never Trump. Yes. President, former President George W. Bush and his father, never Trump. Lindsey Graham, never Trump. The people in the Republican establishment who told the base time and again, you better vote for John McCain, you better vote for Mitt Romney, you have to vote Republican. We know you don't like these guys, but you better are all singing a different tune now. What does that say to the base? So, yes, a Rand Paul or a Marco Rubio, these people, yeah, he is a cancer, he's the worst thing ever, but do they reject the base as well? None of these people seem happy that they're supporting Donald Trump. I mean, they have to be kicking and screaming to do this. None of them seem happy about it at all. But it is a sort of what did you do during the war, daddy, moment <laughs> for them. Well, I think there are a lot of things that are different about uh, 2016 and other presidential elections. One of them is a lot of people are not voting for the candidate that they think is the best prepared, the most experienced, will be the most, bring the most effective judgment to issues. They're voting out of protest. They feel that, uh, yeah, but I'm that but they have been dealt a bad hand uh, and they want to express it some way and yeah, they're doing okay. it It's one thing Donald to talk Trump. about the, the people. I'm talking about the leaders now. The people in the party who are switching over him. You mentioned the few right. who are still never Trump. But I'm talking about the Bob Dole is now on the on the Trump train, Dan Quayle. Most of them are. John McCain? John McCain right. is the saddest one of all. But how does he what happened to the Maverick? Right. And what Look, happened to the Maverick? Immigration, torture, right. America's role in the world. There is nothing that you can think of that John McCain and Donald Trump agree with. The same with Paul Ryan trade, deficit cutting, and, and immigration again. And yet, so what do these people do if he, he loses? How old is John McCain? Gotta he's, be... He's in his mid-70s. Mid? Okay. I thought he was in his upper 110s. But, um, <laughs> whatever it is, like, isn't anything more important than hanging on to the job forever? He could... He was known as the maverick. He could have gone out by being the guy who was very much against... Donald Trump to make up for his picking Sarah Palin? <laughs> I think... Uh, I, I just gotta say, like, if, if, if the position was reversed and there is no real Democratic equivalent to Donald Trump, the, the closest I could think of is Kanye West. <laughs> but if the Democrats put up Kanye West and the other side put up Mitt Romney, I'd be like, yeah, I don't like Mitt Romney. I disagree with everything, but he's a normal human being. I would vote for Mitt Romney. And by the way, uh, P.J. O'Rourke, our friend, said the same thing. He said, uh, 
Oh, where is it? Fuck it. Oh, here it is. He said, <laughs> I'm endorsing Hillary uh, and all her lies and all her empty promises. It's the second worst thing that can happen to this country. But she, she's wrong about absolutely everything, but she's wrong within normal parameters. I think that's very important. And, and you have, you normal know, parameters. You have a conservative columnist, Michael Gerson, this week saying that Donald Trump is morally unacceptable. And as you suggested, this is a moment where you decide. And what, I think what's interesting is what happens to somebody like Paul Ryan if Donald Trump loses? And there he is. He's based his whole career and his whole bona fides on supporting conservative economic principles, and is he going to throw them away in order to support Donald Trump? Because that's what it will look like if he now endorses Donald Trump. That's a very difficult position that's, to put That's yourself part in. of the hesitance. That's a risk. It, it's definitely a risk. I would also say that I think so, the argument within the Republican Party right now is who's worse, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. That's what everybody's talking about. And for some of these people who were never Trump or as critical as you could imagine who are now pro-Trump, they're taking a gamble on what his administration would look like versus Hillary Clinton they definitely know they don't like. Like, what, what would Donald Trump as president, how would he behave? Like, I, I tend to think that whoever compliments him the most, that would be our policies. If a beautiful woman says, hey, that's a nice suit, Mr. Trump, well, that's our new, you know, d economic policy or something like that. I think that's entirely possible. Exactly. Yeah. I, I always want to say to the Trump supporters, and maybe I will tonight, aren't there red flags every week with this guy. Yes, that's our new department. <laughs> red flags, like this week when Donald Trump, again, uh, retweeted something from the KKK. If you were at a party and you found out the host had retweeted things from the KKK, wouldn't you leave that party? Isn't that a red flag that you can't get by? He literally said this week, nobody knows more about taxes than me, perhaps in the history of the world. <laughs> You can't fault the guy. This is ego. a red flag. <laughs> when some, the fact that he had that publicist who was really him. I mean, switch it around. What if we found out that in 1991, Hillary was talking to people in the press as somebody else and talking about how uh, Zenny, Lenny Kravitz really wanted to fuck her? <laughs> so my next question is... what? What strategy can you employ against a guy who does not have to play by the normal rules and, and who, who everything he does that's crazy is just somehow baked into the cake and dismissed? What should we do? What is the strategy? What can you well, do? Well, I think the strategy uh, is uh, to confront uh, Trump uh, at his weakest point, which is uh, his lack of knowledge of almost any of the responsibilities of being president of the United States. So I, I also think... These are all people who are never going to vote for him anyway. <laughs> they don't care. But no, you do what Elizabeth Warren did so yes. successfully this week. And she went after Trump on Trump's terms, and she seemed to relish it, and she went at him with his own language, even, you know, the she, lame, sad. It was... Yes. And she seemed to have fun. And, and also, she and engaged great. him on Twitter. And I've heard people say, don't engage Donald Trump on his own turf. You'll never win. She has but nothing to lose. But that's America's turf. Yeah. America's dumb. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> greet them on the field where they live. There's a reason why presidents, not just the one who's in office now, who does every show but this one, um, <laughs> there's a reason why they go on a lot of dumb shows. Because that's what people are watching. They're not watching Meet the Press. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Elizabeth Warren here last week. Trump, goofy Elizabeth Warren and her phony Native American hedger on a Twitter rant. She is too easy. I'm driving her nuts. Minutes later, 
No, at real Donald Trump, she says, your racism, sexism, and xenophobia doesn't drive me nuts. It makes me sick, and I'm not alone. That's... See? Yeah. This is... Well, I think what was, what was so interesting... I don't think this is strength, but this is America's dumb idea of what strength is. And it did actually seem to get under his skin. I mean, the fact that there is Donald Trump, who's running for the president, is taking time out, not attacking Hillary Clinton... He had to spend time attacking Elizabeth Warren because he couldn't stop himself, because she had somehow riled him in a way that other people haven't managed to, or certainly yeah. that his Republican opponents didn't manage to. So you guys agree with that? That's what we should do? So I think he should be trolled. Elizabeth Warren troll. Troll, troll the hell out of him, because he's the ultimate troll. That's his, a campaign. That's all he does. Right. I okay. mean, she's doing the right thing, I think. But what, what do you do with somebody if this was a Jeb Bush or any of the other Republican candidates? Half the things he said, flip-flops, uh, misogynistic right. things, racist Doesn't things, matter. would have hurt any Anybody else immediately? What do you do with that? Exactly. I say this is a libertarian conservative that doesn't want Hillary right. to win. It's terrible. It's like clutching a ghost. I mean, this thing he said this week about the Muslim ban. You, I just had to take my hat off as what a great politician he is. For six months, he was talking about a ban on all Muslims. Got his base right. with him in one day, the day of the Ryan meeting. Just a suggestion. Now he's not going to lose any of those people in the base because they're like, hey, just saying that. And yet he takes the issue off the table for the same people. Right. That's a politics. The number one insult conservatives have had for their leaders for forever has been rhino. And that basically means you have right. conservative rhetoric and you don't live up to it. You don't have a bigger flip-flopper, a lion, whatever, whatever you want to call him, than you do the presumptive Republican nominee right now. He's changed on everything. And even said this week, everything from here on out should just be considered a suggestion. Right. <laughs> Talk about no past. I, I think Hillary would be making a mistake uh, if she saw this election as just being a contest between an egomaniac uh, and uh, herself. I think this is a... Uh, presidential elections are the time when Americans can can participate in making some very serious decisions. Yeah. Well, do we want to continue to have uh, a, a military policy that we go to war every time someone... Well, waves the flag. Do we want to have Hillary uh, might be the person? Hillary, do we, do we want to have yeah. uh, a system in which uh, we have this enormous gap between the haves and the have-nots? Uh, I think those are the issues that this campaign ought to address. Right. Well, they, they, and they, Hillary there actually was a, a disservice if she brought it down at Trump's level. There actually was a, uh, a primary this week. It was in West Virginia, which is coal country. Bernie won big there. I uh, Trump, of course, won. And, you know, coal has been on the ropes for quite a while. There has been a war on coal, even though President Obama won't call it that, but the industry is dying, and the murderer is Barack Obama. And he should get a Nobel Prize for it, because coal is not good. But, uh... Cole is not taking it lying down. They have uh, put out an ad campaign to try to rehabilitate their image. Would you like to see some of the Cole ads? They... I don't know if these are going to help, but see what you think. Like, for example, Cole, we help snowmen see. <laughs> Cole, powering more Midwestern households than meth. <laughs> Cole, if God wanted us to use the sun, he wouldn't have put it 93 million miles away. Oh, look at this one. Black lungs matter. <laughs> Cole, a mine is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> a mine. Cole, 
Your asthma means it's working. <laughs> Coal, our smokestacks make Earth look like it has a big penis. <laughs> and coal, because sometimes you just want to burn a rock. <laughs> All right, he is the co-founder of TheIntercept.com, a former real-time real reporter, and the author of The Assassination Complex, Inside the Government's Secret Drone Warfare Program, Jeremy Scahill. <laughs> Jeremy, how are you, pal? Okay, so, wait a second. Drones are bad? I thought that's what Amazon was using to deliver my packages. <laughs> Martha Stewart tweets about how much she loves drones, and, and she did it actually on a day when, like, there was a horrible massacre of children, and she says, don't you just love drones? And she shows a picture of them flying over her vineyard. Oh, Different kinds of drones. Like yeah. We hey, got... Can I be a wet blanket for a second? Oh, please do. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm with everyone that I think Donald Trump is a reprehensible individual, and I certainly don't want him to be president of the United States. But I think that just focusing on Trump and what he says misses a, a, a deeper, more disturbing reality, and that is that Trump has brought to the public uh, the fact that we have a real strain of fascism in this country. Um, and, and I think that, you know... To, to me... Yeah, led if, by him. What are you talking no, about? No, not, not led by him. I think that what Trump has done is to, give, is to give public voice to a sentiment that is held by a significant minority of the population where now someone is saying the things that they felt they couldn't say in public. So now they can openly be bigots, racists, and they have their candidate. Now, the other thing is... Okay, well... But I know you and I are both... I think we share the same viewpoint of many of Hillary Clinton's policies. She is the candidate of empire. She is, is the candidate also of regime change, of humanitarian cruise missiles. I mean, she is hardly the dovish opponent or, or, or sort of alternative choice to Donald Trump. And Bernie S Sanders supports the kill list. So we have, we have three candidates, all of whom uh, have very serious issues that should be investigated and they should be held accountable for in front of the American public. Partisanship doesn't allow well, that, though. But, you know, this, this is, it's funny you say that because this is what I heard from Republicans this week when they were asked about oh, Donald Trump. thanks, Bill. No, really. When they were asked about Donald Trump and, and the reporters kept saying, uh, well, do you agree with Donald Trump on Muslim? No, no, I don't. Do you agree with Donald Trump on deporting immigrants? No, of course I don't. Do and then they would say, yes, but he raises an important issue. Like, that's something? I don't agree with Herr Hitler on the Jewish question, but he raises an important issue. No, no, well... <laughs> Raising an issue is not the same thing as being right on the okay, issue, is I, it? Let me, let me just be clear here. I believe that what we're seeing with Trump has, has whiffs of how Hitler rose to power uh, yeah, because yeah. of the popularizing of all of these things. But, but I'm, as and a, the neo-Nazis are uh, strongly behind no, no, him. Well, yeah, I mean, he has an offer from both David Duke and Louis Farrakhan to be his running mate. David so Duke, who? I right. never heard of the man. David Duke. I, 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 I don't David remember. I, I, the name does right. not ring a bell. I don't know anything about him. Uh, bed sheets? Oh, yeah, I have some of those. Marla Maples is in them. It's like... <laughs> no, but, 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 it, but it, it, it is the reality that, that we are seeing the real risk that an overt fascist is going to come uh, to power. So I, I totally am on board with the we don't want that guy to be president. But as a journalist, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I believe in holding all of these people accountable, including Bernie Sanders, who actually supported regime change in Iraq as much as he wants to attack So, Hillary. do you want to plug your fucking book or what? <laughs> Bill, I just want to, you know... <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want Senator Graham to just read the 28 pages on the air right Oh, we're going to get to that, yes. Uh, but your book is about drones. Don't you want to at least give a little plug to that? Well, you know, I mean, I, as I say in the opening uh, part of the book... And we're talking about uh, droning people to death in the Middle right. East who, you know, we go after the terrorists, but we kill a lot of people who probably 
probably aren't. Well, uh, you know, first of all, and drones... you're against that. Drones are, are a weapons platform. Uh, they are not a policy. Uh, the policy is assassination. And the fact is that every president well, since... Well, the policy is assassination. That's I mean, like, well, come on, we're in a war with people. So to well, say it's, to say that's a, that's like saying any time you go to war, it's assassination. Okay, well, the, assassination but, is killing a political leader. This is not what the drone program no, is well, doing. Well, it's, it, it, assassinations often are for political reasons, but when Jimmy Carter was president, he amended the executive order banning assassination to okay. remove the word political. Hold on, but this is significant. We have never had a debate in this country because the Congress has never defined the term assassination, refuses okay. to legislate. Well, we had to, we had to assassinate a lot of British soldiers to win our independence. The, my, my argument is, is not about whether or not states have a right to defend themselves. My argument is that if you're going to say, or and I'm not saying you're saying this, but if one is going to say all of these drone strikes are justified, then how do you reconcile no, no. that with with one of the documents we published that shows that nine out of the ten people that they are killing in drone strikes, they don't know who they are. Maybe they are terrorists, or right. maybe they're innocent civilians. So when you have nine out of ten people that you well, don't know their identities no. and you're killing, how is that smart policy? No, nothing, nothing you say I disagree with. I mean, it is a great recruitment tool for the enemy to yes. say nothing of the humanitarian nightmare of <clears throat> killing innocent people. My question, and a lot of people's question, is always, as opposed to what? We don't want to start another war like when we sent 150,000 Well, Obama troops. has seven wars going right now. Troop seven wars? Yes, yeah, I mean, I can name them. Okay, you know, what you call a war... Is really what, what do you call firing missiles at people, having yeah. special operations okay. forces on the ground? I shooting? call it different than what happened in Iraq under Bush. Well, well I mean, actually, I'll push back on that. Obama com campaigned on the idea that he was going to stop uh, dumb wars, and the first thing he did was to surge in Afghanistan, expand the role of special operations forces. We have 250 special operators now on the ground uh, in Iraq and Syria. One Navy SEAL just so, died recently in a but, okay, fire fight. So, we have boots okay, on the ground. Okay, so if we, if we... But we don't have boots on the ground like we did during Iraq. Come on, oh, Jeremy. Well, look, look, that is a... The, the Iraq thing is the most catastrophic disaster okay, of modern... Okay, so modern, not that. But that's low-hanging fruit. Okay, okay. It's a cartoon okay, so, so, okay, so not that. Not the Iraq. We agree we don't want an Iraq war. But what's the other thing other, as opposed to doing nothing? Look, because I, Obama yeah. would say I'm not saying that's the middle ground is the drone war. It's you, not boots on the ground and it's not doing nothing. Well, I, for, first of all, uh, Obama has totally done away with the idea that he needs to rely on the authorization for the use of military force, which was passed in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. Only Barbara Lee voted against it in either house. He now is claiming something that is the wet dream of Cheney and Rumsfeld, which is that Article 2 of the Constitution, the Commander-in-Chief Clause, gives him carte blanche to do all of these things. It's, it's against the very mission that they state they're trying to achieve, which is stopping He's having terrorism. a rough night on this show, Obama. <laughs> but Obama, Obama I, has done something that I will praise, which I actually is my solution of what I think we should be doing. Health care? Terrorism is... No, on this issue. <laughs> yes, I support, I support health care, Bill. Um, we, we, all right. Terrorism should be viewed as a crime... And I think that, I don't believe that they have actually killed someone in a drone strike that was engaged in what any reasonable person would think was an imminent threat against the United States. They redefined the term okay. imminent. So let's bring those people I... to justice and put them on trial. All right, quiet. <laughs> did you just say quiet? Yes, I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring up, because we do this show Friday night to bring the people up on the oh, news okay, that they may have missed during the weekend. I, have an, an, I have an important raise this important, <laughs> important you somewhat, him to defend his book. somewhat related uh, news story, which is that London elected a Muslim mayor. And uh, his name is Sadiq Khan. And 
I think the world needs a lot more of this because when you elevate Muslims to high positions like this in Western countries because they are politicians, they have to say the right things out loud. But we have been lacking is in is, too, is, an, is more Muslims saying the right things out loud. And of course, he's the mayor. He has to. I'm not saying he doesn't really believe them. But he said, there is no other city in the world where I would want to raise my daughters than London. They have rights. They have protection, the right to wear what they like, think what they like, to meet who they like, to study what they like. The clear implication there is they would not have those options in much of the Muslim world. He also said he's for not wearing the uh, hijab. He said, in public service, we should be able to see each other's faces. Eye contact matters. He, his first uh, public appearance was at the Holocaust Museum. This is what we need more of. So, yeah. This is somebody who was elected mayor of London, the first Muslim mayor of any major Western city ever. Well, Rotterdam. And he was elected after a vicious fight in which there was a lot of dog-whistle politics tying him to extremist principles, basically on the basis that he's Muslim. And I think one of the things that Jeremy was pointing out is, you know, we are stoking an environment of fear in which it's very easy to link people by association, particularly if they come from minorities. But one of the things I think is interesting about Sadiq Khan and what he has said is that, look, ISIS hates me because I am right. a successful Muslim in the West. Exactly what they say is not possible. They also hate me... Well, they hate him because he believes that his daughter should be able to see who, what, who they want and shouldn't have to wear the thing. I think they hate him for more than that. It's more fundamental. It's about, you know, he... The hijab. He... He is your kind of living proof that the Western democratic liberal pluralism is compatible with Islam which is exactly what ISIS says it's not. And just by virtue of the fact that he's been elected mayor of London, he represents all that ISIS stands against. But can I read another quote? Because there is another Muslim mayor, Rotterdam, right. in the Netherlands. And after the Charlie Edbo attacks... Major-ish city. He said, it's incomprehensible that you can be against freedom like that. But if you don't like that freedom, pack your bags and leave. If you can't find your place in the Netherlands in a way that we would build a society together, leave. Fuck off. He said, <laughs> fuck off. And we need more of that. So, you'll be interested in this. Uh, Hillary Clinton wants to release uh, all the uh, stuff that's undercover about Area 51, the flying saucers. <laughs> We're going to find out about the flying saucers, but not about the crashing planes. Because I know that's your issue, the 28 pages, right? That uh, supposedly has... Well, not supposedly, it's, it's... We've never seen it. This is the 9-11 report about who was really responsible for crashing those planes into the buildings. And it's Saudi Arabia, right, Bob? Well, it certainly looks like it. Uh, there are, if there, there's an enormous amount of billowing smoke around the relationship between the 19 hijackers and uh, from the highest levels to charities and financial institutions uh, in Saudi Arabia providing and it with on the ground support. That they met here yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah, right. Not far from where we are is where the first two hijackers uh, supposedly had a coincidental lunch uh, with. Uh, a man who was here as an agent of Saudi Arabia, who then encouraged them to move to San Diego, where they spent the better part of a year uh, preparing for 9-11. Uh, they were not... They didn't end up being pilots because the pilot instructor described them as being dumb and dumber, uh, but uh, they uh, 
were the muscle men who kept the passengers in line. So what do you think we're going to find out from the Area 51 uh, <laughs> flying saucer? Is that where Hillary's emails are being stored? No, I get what, You really hate Hillary, don't you? No, I, I, I believe... Well, why does everybody hate Hillary? That's a cheap no. characterization of this, though. Hillary, Hillary Clinton but, is the embodiment of how little of a difference there is between the two parties on foreign policy. Hillary okay. is the is the neocons candidate this year, Bill. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Weekly Standard endorses I know, but, but, but... No, but do you ever ask why? But why do you think that is? No, but, like, uh, if a child asked me about this election, I would say, well, it's between a crazy person and a nice lady. <laughs> and, and, like, am I, am I 100% on... Am I 100% on board with the nice lady? No, but she's a nice lady. But, she's not well, a crazy person. But don't you see uh, irony uh, and humor and something comical about the fact there was nothing that the left and the Democratic Party hated worse about the Bush-Cheney administration than the war in Iraq, the Patriot Act, sort of the whole war on terror narrative. Hillary Clinton embodies that to a T. That's, Barack that's, Obama that's called a bit of an her exaggeration. It's not. Barack Obama called her Bush Cheney light in the 2008 campaign. He was right then and he's right now, and well, we ignore it because yeah, we're distracted she, by Donald Trump. She's definitely too hawkish for my taste. But you know what? It's funny that she was the outsider. She was going to be the first woman president, which was so different. And now, how come she's suddenly the ultimate Wait, insider? She's running no one is jazzed about the fact that we. She's have a running woman. in a year in which exit poll in primary after primary shows us that people are saying they want change, whatever change means. They want somebody different. They want somebody that hasn't been around for a long time. And whatever you say about Hillary Clinton, she has been around for a long time. Look, here we are this week relitigating some of the sleazier moments of the 1990s. I was seriously hoping well, we wouldn't a, have to go a, through that what again. What a but, dumb reason is that but, to rule, vote but, for president. No, They've been if, around a long... Who's if, been around longer than Trump? I was asking. doing Trump <laughs> jokes when I was in my 20s. <laughs> uh, I have, uh, I've known Hillary Clinton uh, for the better part of 35 years. Wow. She is a she very... She has been around a long time. She <laughs> has. She's a very, uh, very gifted person. Uh, she has uh, good judgment. Uh, I don't always agree with it. She voted for the war in Iraq. I voted against the war in Iraq, but I don't hold that one single instance as being well, representative again, of her of her. Well, it wasn't exactly, as, as I recall, it wasn't exactly, we are definitely going into the war. As Bush phrased it, that those people voted for it was, give me a badge and a gun in case we have to do this. And then, of course, that fucking nut did it. Well, well but, let, but, let's, uh, I mean, but let's take it to something more, more current. Hillary Clinton was a major player in the uh, regime change that the U.S. enacted in Libya. She wasn't just voting in the Senate. She was a major organizer of that campaign, and it led directly to the death of Ambassador Stevens. She, and I'll tell you this much. Hillary Clinton is lucky. Oh. She's lucky oh. that the Republicans oh, are batshit crazy because real questions are never asked about that. No, okay, come on. Never asked about Benghazi? It's been no, a longer no, no, investigation than... No, no. They're Not... in a partisan witch hunt against Hillary Clinton, and I agree with her on that. Oh. But I would ask about the covert operations that John oh, Brennan Lord. authorized that killed important tribal leaders and caused blowback. She it wasn't is, she is the truly Muhammad. the Napoleon of crime. I, I don't know why I ever defend her. <laughs> well, I mean, I have, I, I'm sorry. One of I the have two to, most powerful okay, political right, families right, in this country. We'll talk after. It's time for new rules, everybody. New rules. Girl, now that Sheldon Adelson says he'll support fellow billionaire Donald Trump, political analysts must admit that's a first. An internet troll being endorsed by, by an actual troll. <laughs> he, does, he does look like a troll, doesn't he?
<laughs> Neural, after reading about 92-year-old Sumner, another butte. Oh, the ladies are getting hot out there now. Reading about 92-year-old Sumner Redstone's sex habits this week, the FDA has to put an upper age limit on Viagra. <laughs> when you're 92 and you tell your doctor, I want to be stiff, the proper response is, you're almost there. <laughs> Here's a sign you're too old for sex. When your cock ring is a medic alert bracelet. <laughs> It's a sign. What am I? Neural, now that Budweiser has gotten government approval to rename their product America, that's true. From now until the election, everyone must drink some during the Republican convention while saying, wow, America has absolutely no taste. <laughs> and a little later, there goes America right down the toilet. Neural, people who promote breast cancer awareness have to find me one person who isn't aware of breast cancer. <laughs> we know what cancer is, and we know what breasts are. If you want to explain something, try mammograms, because most guys think that's when a woman shows up at your door topless and sings for you. <laughs> Neural, if you're such a rich and unsatisfied wife that you spend $15,000 for this 24-carat gold-plated vibrating dildo, try fucking the gardener first. Really, uh... <laughs> I'm just kidding. He actually looks like this. <laughs> and finally, Neural, conservatives can blame liberals for a lot of things like making your kid wear a bike helmet and gluten-free cupcakes and the war on Christmas. But the one thing you're not going to get to blame us for is Donald Trump, because they are already trying to do that. But it is not going to happen. If we have to own the man bun, you have to own the Donald. Now... <laughs> if you think... I'm kidding about this or exaggerating. Just look at some of these recent internet headlines. The left is to blame for the creation of Donald Trump. How the PC police propelled Donald Trump. How the left created Donald Trump. Update your browser. MILFs in your area need sex now. No, wait, not that one. Not, I'm sorry. That... But other, th <laughs> other than that one, the point of all these think pieces is that the Trump phenomenon is on you, liberals, because your condescension and political correctness forced otherwise reasonable people into Trump's hateful embrace. <laughs> that is their thesis, really, that Trump voters are perfectly nice if left alone, like raccoons. <laughs> they, they just want to eat garbage and crap in your hot tub. Honey Boo Boo and the Duck Commander are <laughs> Adam and Eve at the Olive Garden. And they would vote rationally if not for overbearing liberal scientists and historians and nutritionists telling real Americans that they're dumb. It hurts their feelings when we insult their values with our facts.
Listen to Vox.com. They say liberals are smug because we practice, quote, a politics defined by the command of correct facts. <laughs> well, yeah, shouldn't we all do that? <laughs> the Daily Beast claims that brutish leftist tactics have driven people to Trump because they're terrified that they're losing the basic right to express themselves. Really? Have you seen the internet? It's nothing but angry white people expressing themselves. The, the Tea Party is named after a tax revolt. And tea stands for taxed enough already. And yet, two years after Obama lowered taxes on 95% of Americans, 90% of tea people believed he'd raised them. So, if you don't know the first thing about the thing you claim is the most important thing to you, are you bright? <laughs> and is it my fault for pointing out? No. The Federalist says voters like Donald Trump not so much because they hate Mexicans and Muslims, but because they hate progressive bigotry. No, it's because they hate Muslims and Mexicans. <laughs> Among other minorities, 64% of Republicans think reverse racism is a greater problem than racism. Now, that is something easily disproved with statistics. So please help me with my dilemma of how I, as a liberal fact-knower, <laughs> yeah. can both not insult you, but also tell the truth. Because, like, I, I can't honestly say I respect your view that the world is 5,000 years old because it's 2016. If Sarah Palin claims nighttime is when Jesus puts a blanket over the sun, <laughs> and I disagree, does that make me smug? I'm sorry you find it irritating when liberals point out that global warming exists, or that racism exists, or that gay people exist. But here's the thing. You guys were wrong about all that. Really. Check the climate science. Check the dashboard camera on the police car. Check your pastor's internet history. <laughs> now, is political correctness out of control? Of course it is. I think I might have done some sort of show about that once. <laughs> I've been telling liberals when they had spinach on their teeth since 1993. I've ridiculed them for everything from offensive Halloween costumes to Islamophobia, from the self-esteem movement to college campuses forgetting what free speech is. But none of that justifies embracing a dangerous buffoon simply because his lack of political correctness is cathartic. Trump is your problem. But somehow the party of personal responsibility doesn't want to take responsibility for this one. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, the slogan went from Make America Great Again to Look What You Made Me Do. <laughs>
All right, that's our show. We're off next week, and we'll be back on the 27th. I'll be at the Connor Palace in Cleveland June 4th. I want to thank Jack Hunter, Caddy Kay, Bob Graham, Jeremy Scahill, and Michael Moore. Join us now on Overtime for YouTube. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. Thank you. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.